Good morning. How are you guys? Yes, that's a little weaker than normal, but I'll accept it anyways. Hey, I'm Jeff, and I'm one of our pastors, and I'm really glad you're here today. We have got, uh, I think, an exciting uh, day. We've had a great service thus far. We are kicking off a new series called I Love My Church. Now, I can pretty much assume that on your way to lunch uh, at work, you guys are talking about uh, what you love and what you're going to eat. Uh, One of my favorite foods is pizza, so I often say I love pizza. I don't normally have the first thing uh, run off my lips, I love my church, happen. Uh, Usually it's I love chocolate or, you know, I love my wife. But I want us to be thinking in this series what it would be like to really get to a place where I really said, I love my church. Now, in this series, we're going to talk about some hills that our church, this church, we would would die on. Some things we would just say, you know what, these are non-negotiables for us. But also in this series, uh, I want it to be very, very clear that we're not falling more in love with our church because of our church. Because when you look at our church, you, you see you see people. You see stuff. You see our room. Room's a little smokier than normal. Uh, I think our smoke machine, uh, we have a smoke machine in church. That's why we love my church. No, it's really not a tangible thing. Uh, It really is a Jesus thing. So as we talk about how much we love our church, we are saying we love our church because of ultimately Jesus. And this morning, that's the route we're going to go. That's what we're going to talk about today. And I hope for you that are with us today, whether you're first-timer to uh, this uh, Bible study, you listen to some dude speak or preach, whatever you want to call that, I hope that today you might see how God is taking changes, transitions, things in your life to draw you back to himself. Uh, before we dive any deeper into our, our conversation this morning, I have a very special, we have a very special guest that I want to uh, bring up in just a moment. Her name is Carlisa Lopez. Anybody ever heard, heard of a church called Mi Iglesia? We have uh, Mi Iglesia represented in the house today. Carlos uh, is not able to be with us. He is in Guadalajara still, been on a missions trip of his own uh, further in uh, the country. But he, uh, he sent us a video. Uh, and if you are not of the bilingual persuasion, meaning if you don't speak Spanish... Um, Carlisa will interpret afterwards. All right, here we go. Hola, my church family. I can't believe we have anyone out of the fun monster. Our family is doing really well. My playing soccer, Bruce got makes a lot of friends, and Carlisa and I just love the adventure, so we're going to see it. We just want to thank you guys for all your prayers and support because of your sacrifices. You guys have made it possible for us to start a small group and not home. Help a single mom promote to eat back on her feet after having a baby. And just provide a glass of water or plus money to the daily visitors who come knocking on our doors. I also had the opportunity to take one of our team members to this little church in a small village in Oaxaca, where we spend the week just encouraging and teaching some of their leaders. We continue to pray over the location where we feel like God is calling us to be. It's right in the middle of major universities, businesses, cantinas, tattoo shops, right across the street from one of the busiest 
public parks in the city. It's going to be great. We really miss you guys, and we hope to have you visit soon. We continue to pray for big things to happen in my church, and continue to change in the world for the sake of the gospel. Give a warm welcome to Carlisa Lopez. <laughs> welcome back. Thank you. This is actually Columbus is your home. Yes. And uh, how many months ago did you and Carlos leave from here to go plant my church in Mexico? We left six months ago. Um, a very tearful goodbye to all of our friends. Jeff and his wife were there, and we left in his brother's suburban, and it was very sentimental. And but yeah, we've been there six months. And seeing that guy, man, I miss him. I'm ready. Hey, I'm ready to go home. <laughs> we didn't do this last hour, but can you give like a 30-second what it was like getting across the border? Okay, real quick. All right, no one's heard this, but this is crazy, <laughs> scary, and uh, you got to hear it. Okay, so the truck Jeff gave us, we or his brother did, we couldn't get it across the border. They wouldn't let us. So there was a guy, there's always a guy, who says that, oh, I can get you across. So we snuck into Mexico um, did not know that's how it was going to go down, but they drove us about a mile, this is in the middle of the night, by the way, a mile into the desert around the checkpoint to get into Mexico. In the middle of the uh, night. In the middle of the night. I called Brandon Whitus and I said, this is where we're at in case you never hear from us again. This was the last place He's we like, were. drop a pin and then we'll, yes. send, we'll, send, <laughs> we'll send army rangers to get you. Right, get... right. So that, that was our entrance. That was and, our welcome into Mexico. And didn't, didn't, um, he or someone tell you that if something happened at that area when they were trying, they were trying to detain you, right? right? And maybe the kids or something that if they started going off road with you, they said, drop a pin because they're probably going to abduct you. Right. Well, that's where we're, that means so it was like a movie. Gonna, yeah. I told Maya, I said, we were, when we were in the desert and I realized what they were doing, I said, Maya, if you, you see that gas station over there, I said, if mommy tells you to run, you jump down out of the car and start running. She said, She's there crying because then she knew it was serious. <laughs> we should have told this story last time. I know. I like, that's, that's scary. <laughs> so you guys packed up everything. Move your lives. Carlos, you guys have been there for now several months. Mm-hmm. Give, give us just uh, help us give a, get a perspective of 
what we saw, um, the, what it's like there, and just what's, what's God been doing. Okay. Um, a lot of those pictures are from our house. We have a small group that meets there every two weeks on Sunday. Um, it's just people from all walks of life, old, young, uh, just everybody. We, every chance we get, Maya's on a soccer team. We get to know all the parents and invite them and tell them what we're doing. We're church planners, and they're like, whoa. Now, you know, the church has not officially begun. You're just, right. you're just kind of just getting started, getting trying started, to yeah. get people to come on board to help us, to work with kids, to just do whatever, do life with us so they can, uh, we can introduce them to Jesus. Um, on a daily basis, what it looks like, uh, we have people knocking on the door all the time, just totally out of their mind, drunk or on drugs, and they're asking for food. And so Carlos will go make them a sandwich, sit on the curb with them, and just tell them about Jesus. Um, my kids, uh, I asked them, I said, guys, mommy's going to go talk. How can I tell everybody uh, that we need them to partner with us to help our church in Iglesi- or to help Iglesia in Guadalajara? And uh, Cruz said, tell them about all the poor people. And Maya said, no, tell them that we need their help because in Guadalajara, we need a church where the poor people don't sit outside begging for wow. money. They come inside and they learn about Jesus. And wow. that's from my nine-year-old. Um, so <laughs> those kind of things, um, they came up with something kind of simple, too. Uh, another fun thing with a memory with the, with the suburban was about two or three weeks into us living in Mexico, our kids found a Chick-fil-A French fry under the seat. Um, and there are no Chick-fil-A's in Mexico. It's too dangerous, they said. Um, so they found the fry, and they, they halved it. They ate it. They shared it. I was proud of them for sharing it. But, I mean, we, Carlos and I were kind of jealous that we didn't find it first. Um, but they were like, you know, instead of you guys, when you go out to Chick-fil-A, what, once a week, you know, twice a week, I won't judge, or just once a month as a family, take that $20 or however much it is and, and give it to me, Iglesia. Give it to us helping the people in Guadalajara learn about Jesus. I heard that. <laughs> come on, come on. And think of us when you're at Chick-fil-A. Because they, they, are, they are doing a work. They are doing a work. I don't know if you guys remember uh, previously before they launched, they went through church planning assessment uh, training. Um, the organization that we work with said of Carlos and Car- Carlisa on their assessment with all these different assessors on their marriage, on, on how they operate their finances, on their just awareness of what God's calling them to do, on their committedness. They said, all their assessors said they'd never uh, all together passed any church planners completely ever yet. And they did for Carlos and Carlisa. And so I thought, that is awesome. And uh, we, we love you. Yep. So and we're planning a trip. Um, oh, that's right. Our, that's right. our projected launch date, our first Sunday, is going to hopefully be in Easter of next year. So the, uh, I think two weeks leading up to that is spring break. So we're really trying hard to plan a trip for you guys to come down and get a Mi Iglesia flyer in everybody's hand. Because you could go to the same park every day for a week and never see the same person twice. So we've got lots of work for you guys to do if you come down. So we're going to plan a trip in the spring. Mm-hmm. And we're going to get as many people as we come can come. And we're going to help support you guys. Absolutely. All right. Give her a hand. <laughs> we're going to pray for her as she walks off real quick. God, we, we love you. God, thank you for the courage of Carlos and Carlisa. I pray, God, you would continue to... Give them courage, God, give them strength, God, uh, uh, flatten their mountains, annihilate their fears, 
And God, I pray you'd allow them to see uh, just success in terms of seeing people, seeing fruit of their labor. God, I, I pray that many hundreds and thousands of people can come to faith because of what you're doing there through this couple. God, I pray you'd provide financially for them. God, I pray that you would just be near and dear and, and allow them to have the peace that passes all in earth standing, God, as you've promised. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Love you. All right. And as you guys, as you guys give uh, to this church, uh, we in turn give to ministries. Uh, we give to this ministry and others. And so thank you for what you're doing. Um, all right. We're going to rock and roll. I want to dive into this message this morning uh, as we talk about uh, why we love this church. Um, and ultimately why we love the church, and it's all because of Jesus. Um, again, it's not because our smoke machine is, is like overdoing it this morning, and I can barely see you through the haze. Um, it is really because Jesus. But what's one, one thing that we're noticing, here's what we're, here's what we're really realizing. Um, God always, always, always will leverage change, changes. He will leverage transitions, in our lives to grow us. I imagine you could ask Carlisa and Carlos, have they grown since the change of moving, the change of a new house, the change of environment? You could probably ask your kids, has, has anything happened in your life? Have you uh, become more grateful since you don't have a whole bucket load of, of, of French fries from Chick-fil-A? Has it changed you? Yes. And what we're going to look at this morning is the fact that God wants to use transitions, changes in our life to grow our faith in Him. Uh, I remember, it seems just like yesterday, that we, were, uh, we moved to Columbus. It was prior to us launching the church in 2009, and I remember my oldest daughter, Allie, was nine years old, nine years old. Time goes by fast. I remember yesterday, uh, I was teaching my 15-year-old she was once nine, she's now 15, teaching her how to drive yesterday. And uh, I was thinking back to like how fast life has gone. Um, I, I remember one of the first times after the church had started, Allie was asking me, she, she said, Dad, what, what are you? What, do you what, what are you? It's kind of the question like, what are you, what do you do? And I was like, uh, I think she's asking what I do, and I was like, well, Daddy's a pastor uh, of the church that we're going to start, or that we had just started, and she said, well, I thought you were the preacher, and I said, well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the preacher. She said, well, what, 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 which, you know, she's like wrestling with, what's, what is that? I said, well, ultimately, baby, what Daddy does is I help people, you know, and I quoted our mission statement, I help people find their way back to God. I help them get to know God. He goes, well, what about all the people who already know God? I'm like, hmm, pretty intense question there, smart little girl. And I said to her, well, for all the people who already know God, I help them know God even more. And this is what she came out of her mouth. This is what I was remembering yesterday as I'm helping her learn how to drive. She goes, Daddy, for all the people who already know God, you should just let them go home early. <laughs> <laughs> so all this was happening yesterday is I'm, uh, I, I have no control of the, of the steering wheel, no control of the brakes, uh, no control of the gas, like... And I just remember on, on, after we did several right-hand turns and we got way up in Harris County where there was less people and we did a couple intersections and we did a couple left-hand turns. We merged coming back into town on Veterans. When we got in, we, we got closer to town. I said, we're not going to go any further than like, 
I don't know, we're not going to get all the way into the thick of Bradley Park, or not uh, Bradley Park, but Columbus Park Crossing and Starbucks and all that area. We're gonna, we're gonna, I'm going to have you pull into Old Country South, you know, you know what I'm talking about, Big South place, anyways, on the right. And so we were getting closer to that, and all of a sudden someone pulled out in front of us, and she did really good. She jammed the brakes on and, and you know, backed off and kept her distance, and I'm like, it's exactly what I'm preaching on. All of us, all of us. Whether it's jamming your brakes on or whether you're transitioning into high school or transitioning into middle school or you've had a loss or you just have some sort of change, God wants to use that to to grow us, to, to move us from where we were to where he wants us to be. And God always does that in the realm of, of helping us in our faith to trust him more. It's never more evident uh, when we launched this church for my wife and I, God was growing us. I didn't know the road ahead. I didn't know any of this was going to happen. We didn't know if anyone was going to show up. We showed up. We didn't have any money. We didn't have a house. We didn't have a people. We didn't have a team. There were so many things we didn't have. We didn't know anything. All we knew was God led us to do this. I, I, I really hung my hat on the verse that we used to start this church, that where we got the name of this church is found in Matthew 16, 18. It says, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I kept referring back to that verse for everything. When things would change, when we, when we thought we were going to launch in a movie theater and we had a contract in hand and all of a sudden that got pulled out from underneath us and we didn't have that and I thought, oh my gosh, you know, it's falling all apart. We just kept on holding on to God led us to do this. God led us to do this. We don't know the plans, but we know we have a purpose. God wants to grow us through change. And here now, five years into this thing, we're, 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 we're as a church, we're changing. We're, we're, we're changing, but we'll always, always, always stand on what God's led us to do. You know what God's led us to do as a church? God has led this church to help people find their way back to God. And that's what we're going to keep doing. And so when we experience changes, when we experience, you know, movements, and, and as you do as families and friends, we, ha- we always want to fall back on just one thing. It's just Jesus. Let me, let me show you. In John chapter 14, you got to see this if you got your Bible. John 14, it's New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And uh, if you don't, find it on your smartphone if you don't have that or don't have any opportunity to do that. I'll show you this on the screens today. But in John chapter 14, Jesus had had a conversation with his followers, his disciples, right? And he all of a sudden, like, just dropped the bomb on them. They just finished this meal, a Passover meal. Um, and all of a sudden, he drops this bomb on them and says, Guys, I know you, we've been together now for about three years. I know we've gotten really, really close, but I'm, I'm going to leave you guys. Like, not just going to the next city, but I'm going to like, I'm going to go like bye-bye. I'm going to be gone. And you're going to be on your own essentially without me. And all of a sudden, the, the guys, the, you know, I'm, I'm sure they're like us. When we go through a change, they're, 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 they're just, they're troubled. Like, what, what do you mean? And they, they question Jesus. They, they, they don't understand what's going on. And they finish this meal and he says, very soon... I'm going to depart from you. And then he launches into this passage. Now, before I share this passage with you, for the longest time, 
Uh, I really, really just never really thought a lot about this passage, but, I, but I, what I did know about this passage was, I knew this passage was a passage that every pastor in the world has used to comfort someone when they, when, during a funeral, when someone's gone through a loss. So I don't think I've gone to very, I don't think I've gone to any funerals where the pastor has not either referenced this passage or directly read it. And I can tell you, every funeral that I've ever done, I have always used John 14 because it's a perfect verse, perfect, perfect passage for someone who's really gone through a death. And so every funeral I've ever done, this is what I've read. But I want to show you something in just a second. Jesus is teaching his guys and just said, I'm going to leave you. And this is what he says to him. He says, John 14, 14, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And then he goes on to say, my father's house has many rooms. And if that were not so, I would have told you. I am going to go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that where, where that you, excuse me, so I'm, I'm, I'm like re- remembering the verse and trying to read it, and that doesn't always help me. I should just stick to the verse, okay? Uh, if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. And then he says to him, you know the place that I'm going, which is, it strikes up a, more of a conversation with his disciples. So here's the deal. Jesus is speaking not to dead people. This is not a funeral going on here. This is a transition. These are guys that are going through a change. This is not death. This is not guys who've just keeled over. This is not a funeral. This is not some, you know, service where people are sad because there's been a loss of death. This is just a change. This is just a transition. No, no different than some of you are a college student and you just graduated college or some of you had an experience where there's just maybe the smallest change to maybe the largest change. This isn't a funeral. This is Jesus talking to live people who for now three years have said, we're with you. We're going to be with you through thick and thin. We're going to follow you. We're going to go where you're going to go. And Jesus all of a sudden says, I'm leaving. And then he comforts them. So this is, a, this is, this is now a message to his followers to help them grapple with a major change that's going to happen in their life, a transition. So he explains to them, guys, if you believe in God, believe in me. We talk about this God. I want you to understand that I am him and I want you to believe in me. So here's what I love about my church. I love my church because it's the story of God's faithfulness. I love not just this church, but the church because it models God's faithfulness. God has leveraged everything that we've ever seen him do for us to come in contact with him. God wants to leverage your adjustment. God wants to leverage your hurt. God wants to leverage the change in your life to bring you to a place where you trust in him. You got a problem? Pay attention because God wants to use it for you to come into a deeper faith in him. So that's what's happening here. These guys are going through a change and and God, Jesus is going like, all right, I got them got their attention, and what I'm going to do through this is I'm going to grow them even further. They're at this level right now, sort of spiritually, and I'm going to grow their faith even more. So he is preparing these guys. Adjustment's going to happen. He's setting them up. He's growing them. 
he ends that little portion where it says, you know the way to the place where I'm going. You know where I'm going to be. And Thomas says to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? We don't understand, God. You're going away. What does that mean? And here's what, here, this was Jesus' response. Jesus answered. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Now, we've often heard that our enemy um, likes to mess things up. And sometimes I know many of us can get lost in the confusion, right? I had someone call me this morning. They were out of town. They go to our church. They're out of town. They just, just blew me away with some really, really sad news in their family. Really, really tough stuff. Real difficulty that they're going through. And we talked. And we all agreed that, you know, on the other side, there's going to be growth. God's going to work this out. He's going he's to leverage this in your, in your life. And the statement that my friend who called said was, but it's in the middle of it that's so tough. Right? It's, in the thick of it is where the rubber meets the road. Well, can I offer you this? God never authors confusion, but he'll always author change. God's not the author of confusion. He is the author of change. The difference is change brings about something new, right? Every time something changes, you are sort of leaving something behind to go and do or experience something else. God is always, always, always going to allow changes in our lives for us to wrestle with them so he gets our attention. And the reason God wants our attention is because he wants to get us to a place where we trust in him more. The only thing the Bible says that pleases God is faith. Faith is what pleases God. You know what God wants from us? He wants our faith. He wants our trust. Just like, just like a dad wants his kids to trust him. I can't tell you how many stories I've told about something to do with like me wanting my kids to trust daddy. Like I got this, you know, whatever it is, you can trust dad. I'll protect you. No one's going to harm you. I can remember a, a dozen times at least Kids waking up in the middle of the night and walking and knocking in a room, or, you know, walking in a room, knocking on the door and saying, we're scared, we're worried, the bad man's going to come in and he's going to, and what do we always say as parents? It's okay. It's going to be fine, right? And we believe that because we know us. We know we would stop at nothing to take care of that. In the same very way, God knows what's going on in life. He hasn't forgotten you, and nor does he not know what, you're go- what you have going on in your life. He knows. But God wants to take that struggle. He wants to take that change. He wants to take that transition. He wants to leverage it in such a way where you believe more in him. So when it comes to, you know, this church, when it comes to our lives, God wants us to get to a place of whatever struggle we go through, that we don't get weak in the knees and cry uncle and quit. He wants us to stand firm and say, you know, no matter what, whether I know the plan next or whether I know where this is going to end up, I'm going to keep following God. I'm going to place my trust deeper in him. Because why? Because what's he doing here? He's, he's shoring things up for them. 
He's not, he's not putting more com- confusion into the mix. He's saying, no, 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 no don't, don't be confused, uh, Thomas. I, I'm, I'm going to help you understand the way. You don't know how to, you know how to get to where I'm going to be? Let me tell you how it's going to be. And so he offers this. After, after Thomas says, I don't know the way, Jesus answers, and here's the famous statement that you may, you, you definitely want to memorize. This is like, this is one that will help you get through anything. Jesus offers them in the midst of their troubledness. He says to, to Matthew, to Peter, to James, to John, to Thomas, all those followers, in knowing he's going to leave them, he says, guys, guess what? If you don't know where to go, if you don't know what to do, I am the way. If you lose your path, I am the way. I'm the complete way for everything. I am the truth. If you ever wrestle in you know, in the perplexity of life and what's right, what's wrong, and what's going to make sense, what's not going to make sense, what is truth, what is not truth. He says, I'm truth. I am the way. I am the truth. And he says, I am the life. Do you, you know why those men could find security in that? Do you know why we can find security in that? Because at the end of our lives, one who already went before us and died and came back from the dead offers us the way, says I'm the truth, and says, through me you have life. The reason we can stand firm and go through change, the reason we stand firm as a church and say, we're not going to waver on our mission, the purpose of helping people find their way back to God, and the reason we're never going to quit, and we're going to advance and move forward, when Jesus says, upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, the reason we can hang our hat on that is because Jesus said words and then later backed them up by dying and coming back from the dead to those guys who saw it. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And the way you have life, the way that you know the way, the way you can believe in me is the truth is because like we have said many times before when we talk about on Easter, there was a dead man that said he was going to die, predicted his death, and he came back from the dead. The reason we can trust, because there's a dead man that was walking. So he offers this to these guys. Um, one of my favorite books, you might want to pick this one up, really, really been a really, really good, good book. Read it about probably two years ago. It's a book called Necessary Endings, written by a guy by the name of Henry Cloud. He said in his book, things have to die before they can become new. He says things have to end before new things can happen. You may have seen this in your life. Some of you guys dated someone in your past. And you're like, "Woo, that was a bad relationship. That had to end before the new person could show up, Right? You, when you've ever seen a, a, a fire happen and it, you look at the devastation that it leaves, what always follows a fire? New growth, right? I remember last, last hour I told this, the, the church service I was younger and I was trying to um, pour gas and light an ant pile on fire. And then I thought about it and I thought, no, that was not in Florida. I grew up in Florida. The grass was green in Florida. It never turned brown. So I was 24 when I did that. That was here in Georgia. Um, 
And so I lied, uh, so I'm confused about when this was. But when I was 24-ish years old, when I was married to Christy, I tried to light an ant bed on fire just thinking, this is cool, awesome, you know. And the whole front yard caught on fire because it was like in the middle of winter. Dry. That was, ba- that was stupid, right? Um, yeah, how am I working that one back in? Anyway, so Henry Cloud says exactly that. I mean, I remember seeing all that brown grass. I thought, I've ruined my yard. And uh, all of a sudden, in the spring came, all that grew, grew back. God will leverage every, everything in your life to lead you back to him. Some of you are with him. Some of you love him. But God will leverage every struggle, every difficulty, every change to draw you even closer to him. God doesn't want itty-bitty faith. God wants you to completely, 100%, to trust wholeheartedly in him. Um, Another thing I wanted to share with you about why I love the church. I love the church because it's a reminder that this is in our home. When everything you see, we we, we see ourselves as as, uh, imperfect people, people who make mistakes, we, we go through struggles and difficulties, but with the right mindset, when you listen to some, Scripture like this, what it does for me is it leverages the church, the, the mindset of what we're here for, our purpose, and reminds me that this isn't our home. This is not where we end up. It is, there's nothing better than having the worst day of your life or your biggest problem, or your largest pain you've ever experienced, and then realizing this is not how it ends. That one day God's going to make all things new. One day all things are going to pass away, but as Scripture says, everything, everything, and everyone who has placed their hope and pinned their hope and dreams and salvation and trust on Jesus... We live forever. So when these disciples heard this, I'm sure they were like, dude, thumbs up. This is awesome. No, get this right. You're going away. You're coming back. You're going to take us with us. Take, you, take us with you. This is awesome. I like that. And, 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 the, and the reason we can, we, can, we can hang our hopes on that is because of this. Proverbs 19.21 says this. Many are the plans in a person's heart. But it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. When we launched this church, I had all sorts of ideas and plans. We did some, we did some dumb stuff too. How many of you guys ever remember, not dumb stuff, it was sort of dumb, pretty crazy. How many of you guys remember when, if you remember the story of our church, before the church launched, we said we wanted to help an elementary school um, have Christmas. And so we worked the deal out with the principal that we were going to right up in a 30-foot boom lift in the dead of winter and say we're not going to come down like we slept and stayed in this thing until people will help raise money to buy this school bicycles. You guys ever know we did that? That was a dumb idea. It worked. It worked. We raised like 100 bicycle monies, monies to buy 100 bikes from Walmart, and we gave the principal these bikes. She gave them to the school. We did that two years in a row after two years. Louis Lavoy, you guys remember Louis? Louis Lavoy, we're sitting, we're sit, he and I were sitting up in this boom lift. It was like 4 a.m. in the morning. We'd been there all night. We were slapped like 
happy. Like we were going from like mad to this is the dumbest thing to we were like, we're stuck. We might as well just laugh. And in that moment, we said, we're never doing this again. And that was the last time we ever did as a church. I say that because sometimes we look at our plans. We make plans. Many are the plans in a man's heart. But you know what? Sometimes our plans fail. Sometimes we botch it. Sometimes we just straight up blow it all up. But here's the good news. Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. I don't stand on a stage of, you know, just, just wood. As a Christ follower, I stand on the promise of Jesus. As, as, as a person who says, you know what, I'm, I'm giving my life to Jesus. He is my salvation. He's my Savior. When I go through rocky times, when weather comes and life gets difficult, I don't stand on something that's, that's wavering. I stand on a rock, something that's immovable. His promises will always, always be His promise. He is the way. He is the truth. And he is the life. When you know your purpose, you don't crumble when the plans change. When you know your purpose, you won't crumble when the plans change. JD and I, our family was in Colorado uh, on a wonderful, quiet getaway in the mountains with no cell phone, no landline, no internet for about a week and a half. And we had gotten up so far in so many different areas where we found lots of snow. Remember, J.D. was trying to walk off this rock into this snow, and I was, like, holding his hands, and his, his feet just went, like, zoop, and he just, I mean, I caught him right, I mean, I was holding his hands, so, he like, you know, I wanted him to land a little bit just to have him slide down, but, but I mean, J.D. didn't fall. The snow didn't crumble underneath him because I had the boy. He was coming off the rock, he slipped, but I had him. When you know your purpose, you don't crumble when the plans change. Last service, I said, how many of you guys are going through a change right now? And I promise you, like 95% said, yeah, change, transition, struggle, major life, crisis. When you are clear on who is your God and your Savior, it doesn't matter what, what happens around us because we know the end. We know the Savior. We know the truth, and we know He's the way. When all else hits the fan, we can stand secure. Why? Let me give you this last verse. Hebrews six nineteen says, We have this hope. We have this hope in Jesus. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. I'm going to have our host teams come on forward. And we're going to do something that's called the Lord's Supper. Jesus had a, had a conversation with his disciples. And he said, guys, soon I'm going to leave you. Soon I'm going to go away and I'm going to go to heaven. But one day I'll come back for you. He's having this conversation with the guys. Soon after he had that conversation, he literally went and went to his grave by choosing to allow himself to be nailed to a cross, to have his hands nailed where he hung, where he died, where his body was broken, and where his blood was spilled for us, 
for us to have the opportunity to know Him, to, to surrender our lives to Him, to find salvation, to have, find forgiveness in Him. And those guys witnessed that. Those disciples, many of them were there and they saw that happen. And they saw three days later, He rose from the dead. At that point, those guys, were, they were all in. Many of you are all in. Many of you have already gotten to a place in your life where you said, you know what? I believe. I believe in Jesus. I, I, I mean, I don't know that all that there is to know, and I don't know that my faith is like, you know, monster faith or I'm superstar, you know, Christian, but I, I believe in him. I trust in Jesus. And so in just a moment, for all of us who are Christ's followers, this is an opportunity for us to take this little cup that's going to have juice in it. I swear that's all that it is, all right? And we're going to take these pieces of bread, and both those will represent and remind us of the blood that was spilled and his body that was broken. And it's, and it's in this moment, these times like this, where we get to pause. We get to say, you know what, Jesus? I don't deserve you. I don't deserve your salvation. And I promise you, I get choked up thinking how bad I am still. Like, I, I can remember, like, at least... 50 times on vacation where I raise my voice to the kids like in the car like if someone else makes a loud noise again I'm going to kill everyone in this car and I'm like why why and I'm like you know what broken I'm broken I will never fully be fixed until he comes back and fixes us for good when he takes us to heaven but I can Rest in the fact that I don't have to be perfect because I know the one who is. I can, I can be reassured in the fact that I don't have to always have it right because I, have to know, I know the one who is right. God came and gave his life for you and I. And we have an opportunity today to say thank you for that for me. I'm going to go ahead and have you guys start passing that out. You're going to find a cup. You're going to find juice. And let me just say this. If you're here this morning and you would say, you know what? I've never at this point in my life um, bowed the knee to Jesus. I've never said I believe in him. And let me just say that this morning, maybe, just maybe, it's no accident that you're here today. As these guys are passing this out, I want you guys to listen to me. Maybe there's some of you here this morning that would say, you know what? My wife made me come, or a buddy invited me, or someone asked me to show up today, and maybe you can completely agree that maybe God brought you here this morning for you to say yes today to him. And so what I want to do is, as we're passing this out, I'm going to pray, and if you have to keep your eyes open to catch the plate, keep your eyes open if you need to. But if you want to pray right now with me, and you want to ask Jesus to be the leader and forgiver of your life, I want you right now in this moment, whoever you might be, to bow with me. And just ask Jesus to save you. Pray with me. God, I believe in this service there's somebody here. There's people here that want to give their heart and life to you. So Lord, in this moment as we pause and we celebrate and we worship you by what you you did for us, God, we want to slow down long enough to allow people to have salvation in you today, to find forgiveness from their sins. And so Lord, I, I just ask that you would lead those, God, right now. 
who might need to just say, Jesus, I want you to be the leader and forgiver of my life. I want you to save me in this moment. Lord, we know that as we ask, like your scripture says, if we confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts, your word says that we will be saved. You will rescue us. And you'll be our savior and our forgiver and our friend. God, we thank you for that this morning. In your precious name we pray, amen. As these guys pass this out, we're gonna close both with a time of reflection here in this communion. We're gonna pray in just a moment. I'm gonna ask you to just all at once as a church body, as a family, to say, God, I, I remember you in this moment with the, with the juice and the bread. And then right after that, we're going we're gonna to exercise another form of worship. We're going to take up an offering. And that is too, just like this, a way that we say, God, thank you for what you've done in my life. And I want to offer back my worship to you. And then after that, we're going to close with a song. You can already hear them jingling uh, that song. And it says, I will worship you. I will worship you. And I hope in that last song that all of us today in this moment, we could just raise the roof off and let God know, God, thank you for what you've done for me. We're going to pray right now, but we're going to take the juice, take the bread, and remember what God's done for us. God, we love you. We thank you for giving your life to us. God, we remember you in this moment. We thank you for sacrificing your life, allowing your body to be beaten and bruised and broken for us. Now, we don't ever want to forget the crucifixion on that cross. Thank you, Jesus, for willingly going there for us. We celebrate the fact that we have salvation and forgiveness and grace from you. John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son for us. Thank you, my Lord and my Savior, for giving your life for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You guys can go ahead and take. If you're still getting yours, take your time. Still passing, passing things around. All right, the guys are going to prepare for us to uh, take an offering. We're going to close with a song in just a moment. Let me just say if uh, today um, you, in this moment, prayed and asked Jesus to be the leader and forgiver of your life, can I tell you that you will be, like many of us who have placed your faith in Jesus, we will be with God in heaven one day. We will be with God who gave his life for us forever one day in heaven. And that's something pretty awesome. Pretty incredible. Our guys are going to come forward. We're going to go ahead and close with an offering. As those guys come forward, let me tell you something cool. As we were, we had no idea uh, a week ago um, 
when we were, been, were putting together the final touches of this series called I Love My Church, that yesterday I would get a text um, and find out that our church was named by Ledger Inquirer the Reader's Choice Church of the Year Award. Pretty cool. Um, now, I say that only because we're in I Love My Church series, and I'm a little weirded out by that because let me ask you guys, how many of you guys actually get a newspaper? You guys get the newspaper and you read it. All right, this could be a kiss of death, all right? We don't know who voted. We don't know what the parameters were of voting. But let me just say this in all seriousness. One, that's really, really awesome, really cool. And I think you should leverage it for your lost friends, for people who need to find Jesus. But can I tell you this? We will never leverage that and say we're better than somebody else, right? It doesn't make us cool. It doesn't make us any better because at the end of the day, if someone wants to say that something's happening here, we want all the glory and victory to go to Jesus. Because I can promise you this much. You know, it's not because of a cool, eloquent pastor. It isn't. It's not because we have a a really great band. It really is intangible. It really is. Guys, it really is. Just Jesus. He saved us. He loves us. We're grateful for that. Pray pray over this offering because I don't know what to say. We are grateful for him. God, we love you. Thank you for your life what it represents for us. God, we want to give our life back to you. God, I pray that we would never, ever, ever quit on the purpose you've given us as a church. God, we exist to serve you, to bring glory to you, and to be all about helping every man, every woman, every child here and abroad find you. God, bless Carlos and Carlisa. Equip them, give them the resources. God, leverage these resources in this church, both for here and there. In your precious and holy name we pray. And everybody said, amen.